On last Sunday, uh, we begin to look at giving and receiving in light of God's ways of being and doing. So giving and receiving in light of God's ways of being and doing. And I'll do a little bit of review and we'll dig into that a little further. Let's um, look first of all at our current key verse. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. For, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We've commented a lot on this verse, so I'm not going to try to go back and, and give you everything we've looked at so far concerning this verse. But let me just once again remind you that this is talking about Jesus on this earth as a man, being rich as a man. Not just rich as the eternal Son of God, but on this earth as a human being, he was rich. He chose to become poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. In the same way that on this earth as a man he lived a sinless life, but chose to become your sin so that you could become his righteousness. And so this is the, um, uh, you know, the grace a covenant that, that Jesus established for us in that he became one of us as us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves and then offer his accomplishment to us as a gift. So, he became poor so that you might become rich. And another thing that we've done, if you're new to this study, is that we've looked at what these words rich and poor mean in this verse, and it's talking about material wealth and possessions. What Jesus has provided for us, he has provided for us spirit, soul, and body. When Jesus was beaten with a whip and then bled to death naked on the cross, Everywhere that his body was, was punctured and wounded and he suffered in his body, it, it coincides with something that he was doing for you and making available for you and me. I believe the crown of thorns had to do with mental wholeness, and, and, uh, which we know is directly connected to our emotional well-being and our emotional wholeness. Even the fact that Jesus, when he became your sin and my sin, the Bible says that he was separated from his father so that you and I could then be joined as one with the father. I don't think I could ever say this enough. It's one of the most powerful things the Lord has said to me to date. Okay, but, but father spoke this to my heart. He said that when he turned his back on Jesus that day, it was the hardest thing that, he, that he's ever had to do or ever will do. Um, and, and this is a God who you know, has undertaken the creation of a universe. All right. But he said the hardest thing that he's ever done or ever will do was turning his back on Jesus that day. And what got him through that was when he turned his back on Jesus, he knew that if he did that on that day, he would never have to turn his back on one of his children ever again. And, and so even in, in that aspect of Jesus being separated from God so that you could be joined together as one with him, so this is the, the doctrine of grace. This is the covenant of grace. This, this is the new covenant, the New Testament, ratified by the blood of Jesus. Remember when, when the covenant between God and Abraham was made, right at the last minute, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And Jesus came and walked in between the sacrifices in ankle-deep blood and made the covenant for, with God for Abraham on Abraham's behalf. And if you, re, if you recall, that, that covenant involved... 
if, you know, praise God, let me back up just a minute. When, when people would enter into covenant in, in the Old Testament days, what they were literally saying is that if this covenant is broken, right, if, if I break this covenant, then what's been done to these animals, uh, the slaughter of these animals, if I break this covenant, let me be slaughtered. And so do you see why at the last minute Abraham fell into a, a deep sleep? Because the entire nation of Israel was in him. And Jesus ratified the covenant as Abraham's attorney, if you will, as his representative. So what happened? When Abraham's descendants broke the covenant, Jesus is the one who was slaughtered. He, he took our place. He stood in for us as us. It wasn't just that Jesus died for you. He died as you. Amen. Amen. And so we're identifying with, with his completed work. So this particular passage is not speaking about the righteousness that we've been made or the freedom that we've been given. The Bible certainly has a lot to say about those things. And, and all of that is included in what Jesus has done for us as us and made available to us and has, has literally made us. He made you the righteousness of God. He made you free from sin. He made you the healed of the Lord. This is who you became through the second birth. But this particular passage, take it for what it's saying here, including all the other things that Jesus did for you as you. One of the things that he did for you is though he was financially wealthy and prosperous, he became poor so that through his poverty you might become financially prosperous. It's included. Pastor Bill Winston preaches a, a sermon, and um, I, I think one of them is actually titled, Do Bread Come With That? And, and of course, what he's talking about here is, is this lady was in line in, in front of him and at the cafeteria, and she got her plate, and she looked at the lady serving the plates, and she, and she said, Do bread come with that? And, um, and the lady said, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, if, if bread was included, she wanted the bread. Right now, if the bread was going to be another buck twenty-five, she may have had a choice to make there, right? But, but she wanted to know if it was included, right? And of course, he uses that to explain all the things that come with that, all the things that come with um, our salvation, and it's so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So this particular passage is talking about your financial life, your financial experience. Amen. Now, it's a couple of things that the Lord uh, spoke to me that I just. I want to begin with this morning. And we've said these things in one way or another, but we've never said them exactly like this. And so hopefully this will just continue to water and build on things that we've already uh, been laying as a foundation in our hearts and minds. Uh, and then maybe for some of you, it'll introduce some new things, all right? But this is, and I really believe this is exactly how the Lord told me to say it to you, okay? He wants you to know that giving and receiving is not about learning to live with less, it's about learning to trust God. That's really important right there. Giving and receiving is not God trying to teach you how to live with less income than you have right now. It's about Him teaching you to trust Him. So giving and receiving is not about decreasing financially. Giving and receiving is God's way of increasing you financially. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase so that your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Filled with plenty. Amen. God is a God of plenty. God is a God of abundance. 
And he created you and me for that same abundance. Now, building on that, here's one more. Giving and receiving is not about trying to become something. It is about operating in agreement with what God has already made you. Now, we're going to build on that because this ties in and and is a segue back over into God's ways of being and doing. All right, God's ways of being and doing. Let's, um, I'm skipping around a little bit. I like to try to get all these things in a, in a, in a real kind of, con, you know, organized way, but I, I feel led to go here next. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is a life verse. If you're going to memorize a verse this week, memorize this one if you haven't already, okay? Because Jesus is speaking in the context of the provision that we need uh, for life, the food to eat, clothes to wear, shelter, house to live in, uh, these kinds of things. And, and he explains to us that simply living life in pursuit of money and clothes and houses and necessities and wants and needs is not going to ever be the fulfilling life that we were created to live because our lives consist of more than the abundance of the things that we have. And our life was intended to be more and do more and produce more than just our next change of clothes, our next uh, meal, and our, uh, a roof over our heads. And he's telling us to, instead of seeking after those things, to instead seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, things, right, uh, the, the financial aspects of our lives, the, the material aspects of our lives, the, the things that we need, the things that we want, that we can purchase with money. He says these things will be added to you. Do you see the difference here between seeking after the things and seeking first God's kingdom? Now the Amplified Version emphasizes righteousness as God's way of being and doing right. God's way of being and doing right. So seek first the kingdom of God and God's ways of being and doing right. Now, stay with me. We're going to do a little teaching this morning and we're going to kind of dig into some deeper things, but the Holy Spirit's going to help us. Amen? You in agreement? You going with me? All right, he's taking us somewhere. Let's go. Let's follow him, all right? So God's ways of being work together with God's ways of doing to produce His results in your life reality. God's ways of doing are dependent upon God's ways of being and not the other way around. Now this is a really important correction that that we need to make and a really important area of of renewing our minds that, that we need to focus in on Uh, in in this new year, uh, and and for that matter, for the rest of our lives. So I'm going to read this statement again. God's ways of doing how we live, what we do, the principles, the the, the approach to to life, and, and, and these sorts of things. God's ways of doing are dependent upon God's ways of being and not the other way around. Stay with me. Let's let's look into this a little deeper. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 3. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, God's ways of being and doing right, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So what's going on here? 
we see that there are a group of people who are still trying to live in the New Testament under the Old Testament approach. And the Old Testament approach was the way to be right was to do right. You've got to do right if you're going to be right. That's how it was in the Old Testament. And if you did enough right, long enough, you would eventually become righteous. So it was righteousness through the works of the law. So in the Old Testament, the being was dependent upon the doing. But in the New Testament, God has turned that around and now it's the doing is dependent upon the being. So notice now he says they're ignorant of God's ways of being and doing right. And because they're ignorant of God's ways of being and doing right, they're seeking to establish their own righteousness. By by what? By doing right, by doing good, trying to do enough good to, to be labeled or to earn, that's a really important word in all this, to earn the standard to earn the the recognition of of one who is right before God in the eyes of God, also known as self-righteousness, also known as making yourself right with God. And notice there's a key word here. It's the word submitted. Have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, there are a couple of different Greek words that are translated into our English word submit and submission. And hupomone is, is the one that we normally see and think of, and that means to place oneself under, okay? But this is not hupomone, H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. This is hupotasso, hupotasso. And hupotasso um, literally means to place in order, not just to come under. So certainly, you know, in, in submitting ourselves and placing ourselves under the authority of God, that is the correct order. Amen? But the emphasis here by the Holy Spirit was not just being under God, but to be in the right order. Are you still with me? So so trying to do in order to be is out of order. It's not the the right sequence. Let me say it again. Trying to do in order to be is out of order. Being is must come before doing in a covenant of grace. All right, watch this now. We are not children of God because we behave like children of God. We behave like children of God because we are children of God. We are children of God. How do we become children of God? Because we gave enough money, because we came to enough church services, because we memorized enough Bible verses, because we read the entire Old Testament, New Testament two, three times, you know, through, through three times. You know, you know what I'm saying? How, how do we become children of God? We became children of God through the new birth. He made you a child of God. And because you are now a child of God, you have the wherewithal to behave like a child of God. All right, so let me try to simplify this. Um, if Yoda was saying it, he would say it something like this. Be, then do. Not do until you be. See, in God's ways of being and doing, we've tried to skip over God's ways of being and go straight to the ways of doing. Are you with me? He's... Let's go back. Praise God. Let's go all the way back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I get excited, man. I get so excited about all this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying that if you're ever going to understand 
and be secure in and benefit from and have confidence in what's revealed to us in this verse, you're going to have to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most people are trying to understand giving and receiving, sowing and reaping without understanding the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we wind up doing is we understand some of the simple basic principles of God, God's ways of doing things, right? And, and, and we try to go straight to those ways of doing things in hopes that if we do those things long enough, we will become whatever it is that those ways will lead to. That's not grace. Are you hearing me? That's not grace. When Romans 4, what has Abraham learned about grace and, and, and this whole new approach to living for God? What Abraham learned about it was if you work and then uh, receive a blessing for the work, amen, that it's not grace, it's not a gift, but it's payment for a debt owed. Are you seeing the difference here? So this idea of, you know, I'm going to do this long enough until I become this, what you're literally saying is, I've been good enough long enough, God, now you owe me righteousness. I deserve it now. Remember what we see in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Salvation is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We got into this last week. I'm not going to go too far down this road. But remember, religion's always looking at, thinking about, talking about what you make of yourself. In, in the United States of America, we're, we're all about self-made men and women, self-made millionaire. What you can make of yourself. Boy, he made something of himself. Boy, she made something of herself. My friend, that's pride. All that's pride-based. In the kingdom, it's not about what you make of yourself. It's about what you submit to God and let him make you and then let him help you renew your mind to who you are so that you can live your life in agreement with who he made you, who you be, providing the foundation for what you do and how you live. So there's a lot of people who understand the principles of, of sowing and reaping. And, and so the idea is, I'm going to do this to make myself rich. Notice what you just did. You skipped over God's ways of being rich straight to God's ways of doing finances in hopes of being able to do money God's way and make yourself rich. The Bible says in, in, in Proverbs, somewhere in my notes, I want, uh, Holy Spirit, help me, 13, I think. Anyway, it's okay. Um, he says, there is one who makes himself rich and has nothing. <laughs> you see, so, so if, if, if you make yourself rich, God's not honored by that. He's not glorified by that. He's not pleased by that. And you're not going to be satisfied with that. Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and there's no sorrow added to it. So we've got to know the grace of God. We've got to understand the covenant of grace under which we live so that we can uh, do things the way God has created us to do these things. Uh, Hebrews 13 and 9, he says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is, a, for it is good that the heart be established by grace not with foods which, has, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So what, he, what he's talking about here are the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And under that Old Covenant, there were certain things. If you wanted to be right before God, you, you couldn't eat. You, you, you should never touch, you should never eat. 
And, and, and so that was one of the many, what, 600 plus uh, ordinances and laws under the old covenant that, um, that a man or a woman had to try to do in order to be right. But notice now he's saying that as New Testament, New Covenant believers, that our heart now must be established uh, by grace, not with what we do, but by what has been done for us. This word be established, it, it, it means probably what you think it means, to, to put down some roots in something, to be firm and sure and certain about it. But it also talks about finding security in this where we're secure in grace and, and that, it, it's, that we become so secure in it that it inspires confidence on our part. Do you, do you see the trust in, 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 in the concept of being established in something where you become secure in it? You know that this is how it is. You, you have confidence in it and it inspires confidence. It inspires confidence to do what? It inspires confidence to do it God's way. Grace has made me this, and because this is who I am, this is now my nature, and this is, this is how I'm going to do it. I, this is God's ways of being and doing. Oh, I hope you're getting something out of this this morning, okay? So many born-again people have more confidence in their ability to keep themselves right before God instead of confidence in His grace. Where does your confidence and security rest? In what you do for God, what you've done for Him lately? Or does your confidence and, and rest, uh, uh, your, your confidence and security rest in what He has done for you? How much confidence do you have in, in, in what He's made you and who He's made you? Amen. Amen. Anybody saved in the room? How do you know you're saved? Not a trick question. How do you know you're saved? See, the devil would want you to consult how you feel. I got saved a long time ago, but it's been a lot of Monday mornings. I woke up, I didn't feel saved. How did I finally come to have, a, my heart became established in grace. I became confident in the fact that it's not, I'm not saved based upon what I do for God. I'm saved based upon what he's done for me. How do I know that, though? I know that because the Word of God says that. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Here's another one for you, okay? The devil would love for me to look at my behavior to decide whether or not I'm saved. Well, I'm still growing like you. I'm still learning. I wish I could tell you that everything I do every day of my life is, is, a, is a perfect reflection of Jesus. I'm growing up into him in all things. But just like the Apostle Paul and just like you and me, I, I have not yet arrived in, in the complete fulfillment of that. Now, amen, you know, as we grow, you know, it, it may require every, every ounce of faith you have not to use four-letter words. It may require every ounce of faith you have not, not to run people off the road when they cut you off in traffic. But aren't you glad we outgrow those things? And now as we, as we move into the deeper things of God, we're wanting to be like Jesus in the fact that, in, in, the, in the reality that Jesus said the works that he did, we would do also, and even greater works. Amen. 
So we're, we're growing up into Jesus. Now, just because you may get angry at people who cut you off in traffic or still use a word or two that you shouldn't use or still struggle in some area of your flesh, that doesn't mean you're not saved. Oh, I want to, I just, man, the Lord help me. I, I wanted to holler, I wanted to scream that. kind of privy to a conversation yesterday that guy just finally had to just get up you know what i'm saying I was, th- I was either fixing make some people mad or or you know whatever and you know it's, it's talking about how many times you got to pray to get saved before you get saved you got saved the first time you may not have given his word enough place in yeah i was thinking about, i said lord you know I, I believe that i preach that you show me that i know that's true i was talking to him about it this morning because it was still kind of bugging me you know what i'm saying and and uh um and 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 the and because here's a popular are you ready here's a popular doctrine that's being preached and proclaimed okay that you're not saved unless you commit to be a disciple you you it's a it's a much bigger commitment and people just you know they call it cheap grace and blah 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 you know you realize the thief on the cross did not even ask Jesus to forgive him? The thief on the cross simply asked Jesus to remember him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the... He has made it so simple. You know why he's made it simple? You know why he's made the bar so low? It's because he wants everybody to get saved. He's not willing that any should perish. Jesus did all the hard work. He did all the heavy lifting. So if you just look his way and say, do something with my life, Lord, boom! Now, you may continue to wallow in misery and think you're a slave to sin and think the devil's your lord and master and all that, but he ain't. Our hearts need to be established. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing for your heart to be established in grace. I'm, I'm not trying to offend you, anybody this morning. I'm talking to a lot of people, both in this room and online this morning. You've been saved for years, but your heart's not established in grace yet. Doesn't mean you're not saved. This means... This means you still think it's up to you to make yourself something. You know, and I, I guess we could, Bruce Bays and I have had a lot of wonderful conversations about this, and, and uh, the Lord's really revealed a lot of truth to him along these lines. But, but here, here, here's the simple thing. You know the one thing, the, the one thing that you absolutely positively can never make yourself the thing that you already are? And so many of God's people are struggling and striving and, and, and working and, and stay up late at night and aren't even certain about their salvation because they think that they've got to make themselves right before God. So, so what percentage? I mean, wh- where's the cutoff? Right? I mean... If, if that's how you get right with God, how much good do you have to do in relationship to how much bad you've done before the scales tip? And I mean, and you know, that whole thinking goes along with, you know, there are some things that are worse than others and there are some things that are gooder than others, right? So, 
Maybe we can do some really, really good things, and that'll count for like six or seven of the not-so-bad things that we did. You know? Again, read the Bible. None of that is acceptable to God. It says filthy rags to him. Amen. So, when your heart's established in grace, you become secure in who you are in Christ and what is true about you now and who He made you to be, which inspires the confidence that you need to do life God's way. Have you ever thought or said something along these lines? If I was rich, I would. And, I, you know, maybe if I was rich, I would, and, you know, buy you a second home on the lake or something like that, you know. Um, but a lot of times, if I was rich, I would. It's, it's some kind of, of act of generosity. If I was rich, I, I would help feed those people children if i was if i was rich i would you know in, in other words, i would support more of god's work in the, in the earth if i was rich i would you know and and so notice now <laughs> the bible says god has made you rich but we don't know god's ways of of being we've learned a little bit about god's ways of doing and we and we're skipping over the being part and trying to get to the doing part which skews the doing and puts it in the wrong context. So now we're doing things God's way, but we're doing it with the wrong motivation because we think we've got to do this in order to be that. Are, are you following me? We've got, we got to do this in order to be this. And God's like, no, you're already that. It's not do, then be. It's be, then do. I am not a poor man trying to become rich. I am a rich man learning how to trust God and live generously according to His sowing and reaping economy. God's ways of being and doing. We've tried to skip over God's ways of being and go straight to God's ways of doing. This will not work and only produce limited results at best. When we skip the being and go straight to the doing, it skews the doing and forces it into the wrong context. The doing becomes the means to the being. The doing becomes the means to the being. In other words, I've got to do this in order to become that. That's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. There is a difference. Now, I was trying to come up with the right way of saying this on Wednesday evening. And, and for those of you who are a part of the Wednesday evening study, either online or here in the room, amen, you remember my, my struggles, and I, I'm not trying to take spiritual things and trivialize them in, in, the, in the earthly terms, but, but you know, it's, this part right here separates the, the men from the boys, the women from the girls, the haves from the have-nots, the people who go on to the greater things of God, and the people who continue to, to struggle and, 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 and work and never seem to, to, to get ahead. Don't you want to know what's on the side of the wall you keep hitting? And, and this is the wall that a lot of people keep hitting, and that is... There is a difference between being something 
and experiencing that same thing in your life reality. Come on now, you say, what in the world are you talking about? No, no, stay with me now. There is a difference between being something and experiencing it. This is difficult for some people to understand, and it's difficult primarily because people do not understand they are a three-dimensional being. The Bible says you have been blessed. The Bible says by his stripes you were healed. The Bible says you have been made free. The Bible says you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says you have been blessed and that those who have been blessed have been made rich. All of these are the things that God has made you. The Bible says you have been made strong. The Bible says that you have been given rest. There are a lot of people who have been given rest that have not discovered it yet. Jesus said, come and I'll give it to you. Let me teach you. Learn of me and you will discover rest. It's one thing to be given rest. It's another thing to experience rest. It's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing to live out righteousness in your life reality. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul said, I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Literally, he's saying, I worked among you to see you born again. Now I'm working again, not to see you born again again, but now I'm working again so that the inward reality of your new birth will become an outward expression of life. So that the righteousness you've become will become an outward expression of life. So that the freedom you've been made will become an outward expression of life. Because of the wholeness and healness that you've been, wholeness and healness, amen, healed of the Lord, right? Divine health that you've become will become an outward expression of life. One dimensional thinking says, if I'm not experiencing it, then it can't be true, if I if, 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 if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. That is blatant one-dimensional thinking. The Bible says you have been perfected forever as one who is being sanctified. The Bible says you're an heir of God, that you rule and reign in life but you'll still live like a slave as long as you are ignorant, immature, and unable to speak on your own behalf. The Bible says that though your outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward part of me is experiencing daily renewal, stronger every day, better every day, growing stronger every day. I turned 56 last week. I worked for about six hours the other day over my, working over my head. And I felt it. Amen. Excuse me. My body felt it. I didn't feel it. My body felt it. This body is the, is the tent that I live in on this earth. It's not me. That hard labor, using muscles that I don't use a lot in my body, it... I, I was listening to preaching tapes and, and a, a book by Danny Silk about uh, walking in love. My inward man left that hard day of labor stronger than it was before I started that day. My body was a little tired, though. That's three-dimensional thinking because you're a three-dimensional being. See, we say, well, you know, I'm still struggling in this area of sin and this sin and this issue and blah, blah, blah. 
so I must not be righteous. Now, see, again, you're, you're letting the doing determine the being or what you believe about the being would be a better way of saying it. God made Abraham the father of many nations. He and Sarah did not conceive until he believed he was and then acted. Read it later, Romans 4. It talks about what Abraham believed. And the reason that's important is because Abraham is the example that we're to follow. So what, what did Abraham believe? He believed that God made him the father of many nations. God said, I have made you the father of many nations. Let me tell you what Abraham heard. Abraham heard, I will make you the father of many nations. He finally realized God didn't say will make. He said have made. In other words, it wasn't until Abraham believed he be the father of many nations and then acted in faith based upon who God made him. I'm not trying to get graphic. I know we've got small children or young adults in the room, whatever. I mean, I, just hear me though, okay? Abraham tried and tried and tried to make himself the father of many nations. What? If I can just get Sarah pregnant, I will be the father of many nations. If I can just get this woman to, to have a child, then I will be the father of many nations. So notice now, he's got the doing ahead of the being. He's trying to do to be. This is why Abraham is, the, is the, not just the Old Testament example of faith. He is the New Covenant, New Testament example of faith for us to look at and learn from. His was, for that matter, before Moses and the law. Right? What did he say in there? Did circumcision make him righteous? No. He was righteous because he believed God made him righteous. And then, as an adult man obeyed God and was circumcised as an outward sign of an inward reality, something God had already made him. Are you seeing this? It wasn't, well, let me go get circumcised so I'll be righteous. No, he believed God, was made the righteous of God, and then acted in obedience to what God instructed him to do. As long as he thought God would make him, notice now, what's... How, what's See, it's dependent upon what he does. If I can just get her pregnant, I'll be. If I can just get her present, I'll be. No, he realized, you know what? I am. I ain't got no kids yet, but I am. I am made me I am, right? I am the father of many nations. So he changed his name. It was Abram, right? He changed his name. Can you, my friend, that's, we, we read these things and sometimes we don't, we don't like think about it long enough. You know, Abraham walks into the, you know, cafe where he gathers with his buddies one morning to drink coffee and talk about the weather or whatever, you know. Abram, good morning. Uh, <clears throat> guys, I, listen, I, don't call me Abram anymore. I, I, call me Abraham. You know, sir, you, listen, you know, I'm, I imagine his friends are like, dude, this is kind of a touchy subject, buddy. I know you wanted to have kids your whole life and haven't been able to and What's he doing? He's, I am the father of a multitude. He instructed people to start calling him that. 
because he believed he was. Even when there was no visual confirmation, he believed that God had made him something he could never make himself. But because God had made him that, now he had the wherewithal to do. Now you see this. And you think, well, Pastor Mark, what? I thought we were talking about giving and receiving. We are. But you'll never understand, though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. That's grace. That, what I'm talking about now is grace. As long as you manage your finances in a way to try to make yourself rich, it never works. Even if you, even if you accumulate a bunch of stuff, Joel 3.10, stand with me. Joel 3.10, he says, Let the weak man, what does he say, let the weak man say? Let the weak man say, I am strong. Is God suborning perjury there? Is he telling us to lie? Is he telling you to fake it till you make it? He's saying you're in a place in life where you're experiencing outwardly conditions of weakness. But you're not weak. Because I've made you strong. So stop speaking according to your experience and start speaking according to my word and what I have done for you, what I have given to you, and who I have made you to be. Are you seeing this? Well, you know, we got to do something to get strong here because we got battles to win. We got I mean, we got to we got to work. We got to get strong. We got to get strong in the Lord. We got No, he he said be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And when you've done everything to stand, keep standing. <laughs> How does that work? It works because when you get to the end of yourself and what you think you can do and the, and the amount of strength. What coach used to tell us in high school out there running around that track? Your body will always run further than your mind thinks it can. Well, guess what? There's another side of that coin. Your spirit. Come on now. Come on now. Greater is he who is in you. Do you not know yourselves? Paul asked them in Corinthians. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus the Lord is in you? The same spirit. Come on now. That raised Jesus from the dead. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. As he is, so are we in this world. I don't do what I do for the Lord 
to try to be something or make myself something. You're seeing the difference here, right? I'm not trying to work some sowing and reaping angle to get ahead financially. I'm rich. <laughs> you are looking at a rich man. It ain't got nothing to do with how much money I have or don't have. God made me rich. How much money has a man got to have before he believes he's rich? Remember that question the Lord asked me? Well, I don't know, Lord, million dollars? I was just rattling off the kind of stuff like I thought I was smart, right? He said, it got nothing to do with how much money you have, whether or not you believe you're rich. Just like it didn't have anything to do with whether or not Abraham had any children yet. Before he believed God had made him something he could never make himself. There was a time in my life I was going to make myself rich. i just let you know that. I was well on my way, too, back in the cabinet shop. In the last full year, we did almost a million dollars in business. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just telling you. God's ways, come on now, of being and doing. The being is not dependent upon the doing. The doing is dependent upon the being. Father, thank you for these precious men and women. Lord, we got, we got to understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in order to understand what you're saying to us when you say that though you were rich, you became poor so that through your poverty we might become rich in material wealth, goods, and possessions. Father, thank you for teaching us from your word and from your Holy Spirit your ways of being and doing and the order, Father, that we would submit to the righteousness of God, that we would submit to the order of you making us right so that then when we strive to do right, it's honorable to you instead of out of order where we're trying to make ourselves something that you've already made us. Father, teach us these things. And Lord, everything that we're learning about righteousness and freedom and being healed applies to being rich. I'm not going to be stingy to try to make myself rich. I'm not going to try to hold on to money so that I'll be rich one day. I'm trying to make myself rich. Father, you've already made me rich, so I'm going to live with your help a generous life of sowing and reaping. And oh, what fun, Lord. Oh, what joy. Heart established in grace, Father. Hearts established in grace. Hearts established in grace. Who we are so that we can be confident in what we do for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Know that you're loved this morning. Know that you're appreciated. Remember the giving reports, alphabetical order on the back table, my right, your left. I don't hear rain hitting the roof. I spoke to it this morning. Didn't want it to interrupt this service. If, uh, if you could get a little help moving the trees across, we would appreciate that. Be blessed.